It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mount City. We are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks Cores, Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Hey, it's Friday, and what a week it has been. Just a couple of things on the mind of our nation as we head into the weekend. Um, John Hancock, Michael Kelly in Studio B. Chris Ranji, still convalescing, but will be with us at 11 nice. today. Yeah. Welcome back, Ranji. We had a good visit with Brad Young yesterday. I know you gentlemen have a lot to say. If you guys missed the... Hancock and Kelly show. I highly recommend you download the podcast or rewind it on your Odyssey app. The guys were hot this morning and had really, really great takes. But without further ado, time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. President Joe Biden. Well, the Robert Hur investigation report was released. It questioned Biden's mental capacity and his memory. Joe Biden responded in an impromptu press conference. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments on the Colorado ballot pay- case determining whether or not former President Trump is eligible to run for a second term. And in lighter news, it is Super Bowl weekend. And I will say, gentlemen, that with everything going on, having Mardi Gras Saturday and then the Super Bowl Sunday, I am not advocating heavy drinking. But if you were to do that, this would be the weekend that you would need it. It's not a bad one, is it? <laughs> right. And, and then it's going to snow on Monday. So this this is pretty much it. Oh, man. This weekend is it. And let's enjoy it. Well, Joe Biden was the subject of an investigation by special special counsel Robert Hur regarding classified documents that were found in Joe Biden's garage when it seemed that we were finding classified documents everywhere. We even suspected our own Fred Bottomer with his many, <laughs> many vanilla <laughs> folders. <laughs> so far, he's clear. Uh, Joe Biden took issue with Robert Hur's description of him and questioning his memory and mental capacity. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? Uh, He called an impromptu press conference. He also spoke about Robert Hur questioning when his son died. There's even reference that I don't remember when my son died. How in the hell dare he raise that? Frankly, when I was asked the question, I thought to myself, it wasn't any of their damn business. In the report, twice, her called Joe Biden, quote, a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. And they will not be prosecuting Joe Biden. And it was a very, very damning report. Yeah, and I don't know that it needed to be as gratuitous as it was, Uh but uh, it, it, it kind of confirms what a lot of the Trump side of the uh, campaign has been saying, that this president's got some issues, et cetera, et cetera. And then he chose to have that press conference mm-hmm. last night, which could have been one of those West Wing television show moments where he drew a line in the sand and showed everyone that the accusations against him just uh, have no substance. But in fact, he validated yeah. so many of oh. them. I mean, when we were talking, when he's talking about Israel and he says, well, I worked with the president of Mexico to open up the border in Egypt. Well, I mean, 
it just plays right into the hands of of what the Republicans are up to. And I don't think we can any longer sit here and pretend or hope that this isn't going to happen. It continues to get worse. Um, this man deserves to be honored. Uh, what he did coming in after that turmoil of the Trump administration, from 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 my point of view, is profiles and courage type stuff. Um, and to watch him go through what's happening now, I think, is unfair to him. It's unfair to his legacy. And it's unfair to the Democratic Party, who deserves to have, and the American people, who deserve to have a candidate who they know can go and beat Donald Trump and be president and serve those whole four years. Yeah, I mean, the problem the Democrats have, if they choose to stick with Joe Biden, which I don't think they will ultimately, but uh, if they choose to do that, the problem they have is that we're all seeing it. Uh, it, it you know, he's not hidden away. He's out and talking, and it, it I can't remember the last address he's given where he didn't make some lapse in judgment or misremember or have the wrong name associated where he says he met with somebody that had been dead for six six years. Those things Mm -hmm. are happening with great frequency and increasing frequency, and we're all seeing it. And I just think it would be political malpractice for the Democrats to carry on and nominate and then run this guy in the fall of 24. They may do it, but I I, I think they they run a very big risk of losing that election to Donald Trump. And what, what concerns me is, and uh, this election, you know, Donald Trump continues to do better, and I think part of the reason he's doing better in polling is the, exactly this argument. But when you really look at the nitty-gritty in the states that matter, um, the current president uh, has some of these issues, but the, the voters are most skeptical of Donald Trump. The last thing that we as Democrats need to be reinforcing is, is because we've got a couple of issues over here, maybe we can tolerate Donald Trump. And there's a lot of Republicans, moderates, independents who find Donald Trump to be distasteful. But when they sit and look at this situation, does that open up the option of voting for Donald Trump again? Lord, I hope not, but I think it does. What was the reaction in the room, do you think, when I'm assuming it's President Joe Biden who wanted to call that impromptu press conference and say, I'm going to address the nation in 15 minutes? His staff didn't want him to do it. Yeah, no political operative in their right mind would have been okay with this. What a disaster. And I guess he put his foot down. But let's even going beyond his, his age and his ability to communicate at this time and his memory. It seemed unpresidential to call a rapid, impromptu press conference to be angry oh. and say, like, hey, my memory is fine. Is that is that would that well, be normal procedure? I, I think the basis of what the president was trying to do made sense. This is a man who is defined by the tragedies that have happened in his life. He lost his wife in an accident. Uh, he lost his son, Bo, in an accident. He has another son that has a drug addiction. I mean, there's nobody who's been through as many personal crises in the White House as as, uh, as Joe Biden has. And so you could understand. And look, he's got issues. He's aging. But he's there. I mean, you know, he's got he still has those thoughts. So he took it personally when they were talking about his dead son. And I don't blame him. But then part of that was to go out and to counter that. And when you counter it. By reinforcing the very thing that you're being charged with, I think you further hurt your own case. Yeah, I, I mean, it was—I have emotions, like, thoughts— 
that are in the political environment that I cannot believe this man is president. If people are freaking out that he's called this press conference and is speaking and he only reinforces people's concern about his memory and his mental acuity, that's bad. If when they press starts asking him questions about Hamas and hostages and Gaza and he turns around to go back to the podium and you know every single person on his staff is going, oh, no, don't oh, do no, it. don't do it. Oh, no. Get it. It's like someone's like, pull it's him like, back. It's Get like watching a horror movie. You know? <laughs> don't, don't go into that garage. Yeah, that's not good. If he's the president of the United States and we're terrified of him doing that. Well, but and- don't you think the human side? The human side of him being an 81-year-old man. Yeah, I, I, how his family is allowing this to... But here's the here's the other thing. Now, we just had this a week ago, a border uh, debate in Congress. And the Democrats came out of that saying the Republicans stepped in it. They said they wanted the border. That everything about the foreign aid funding was dependent on strengthening our border. We gave them a bill that strengthened the border, and the Republicans voted it down. Okay? That's a, that is a potential political piece of capital for Democrats. But the guy that's going to go make that case is Joe Biden. He's not going to be effectively able to make that case because of his communication issues that he's dealing with, his mental, whatever it is that he's got. He's the wrong guy to to carry a message for a political party. And for the majority of Americans, I think they find Donald Trump to be distasteful. And want tend to be, you know, and the idea that there could be even a question of I might go vote for Donald Trump now because I don't think that Joe Biden is all there and probably wouldn't finish out his term scares the heck out mm-hmm. of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I mean, the majority of people are on the side of where the Democratic Party is that that this guy is bad news. And we're it's, it seems like we're hell bent and insistent on trying to challenge it and see how close we can get to spoiling of what should be a sure thing. Yeah, you've got a situation where on the on my side of the aisle, the Republican side of the aisle, we have a problem. If you believe Donald Trump's a problem, and not every Republican does, I do. I don't think he's very electable. Uh, but if if you believe there's a problem, it's not fixable. Uh, that dies cast. Donald yeah. Trump's going to be the Republican nominee. There's nothing anybody can do about it. On the Democratic side, they've got a problem, and they can they, they can fix it. I think if they put any fresh face up there against Donald Trump, but what's true about Trump and Biden is that 60 percent of the country don't like them. Mm-hmm. That's a different 60 percent, but 60 percent of the country don't like them. And uh, if, if they force this replay of 2020 in 2024, I think Donald Trump has a pretty good chance of winning. Oh, I, if you are either of these parties and you are trying to lose the 2024 presidential election, I don't know what you do differently. Why that the Republican Party, like you said, that die is cast. Done. It's going to be Trump yep. because the party is so messed up that that's who we chose. The Democrats, I feel like, I mean, they have a choice. They well, could they could throw anybody up there who's just a yep. younger face and, and yes. would vote for him. And they, but would, and they do, would win. And But I do believe last night may have been a tipping point. Mm. Uh, you know, we've kind of been down this road where he makes a blunder and they've been able to hide him a little bit and et cetera. But, I mean, I was so insulted watching CNN last night where the lady that's, you know, like me, a Democratic yeah. operative, is sitting there saying, Oh, come on. He's just like your grandmother. She sometimes will forget some things in it. No. No. What we witnessed last night was beyond 
just a, 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 a an occasional it's a train wreck. Gra- yes, what yeah. we witnessed last night was pure evidence of what's being alleged by the Trump campaign, and that cannot go forward. And I mean, I hope that somebody comes to the realization of it because there is. Nothing that scares me more than Donald Trump being back in the White House. I agree with you that it's a tipping point because even before last night, it was something upwards of 76, 78 percent of Americans were concerned about Joe Biden's mental capacity to go through a second term. That includes 56 percent of Democrats. That number has got to be either more cemented well, or higher now. Look, it was not good. If, if somehow Biden carries through with this and if somehow he is reelected president, who among us think he's going to serve four more years? I no. I don't. I mean, there's no way. No. Um, and last thought, like I said, just from a human perspective, if that were my dad, if that were a friend, I would say enough is enough. Well, let me tell you, when I start coming on the air here and talking like that, Kelly, I hope you will have the decency to tell me that time is over. Well, buddy. it was good to have John here at KMOX. <laughs> it's been a nice 15-year run. A nice 15-year-old run. Listen, I'm going to take you over to Miss I mean, Helling's Bakery today for your uh, retirement party and the whole thing. 80th birthday. Wheel them over uh, to Shady Pines. You know, and you would hope that the family's going to step in. Yeah. I mean, and and look, I would get that the the pageantry and the the allure of being the president and and the family of the president, but their lives have changed forever. Yeah. That That's yeah. never going back. This is now about, from a Democratic perspective, and I think for a lot of Americans, whether or not we're going to allow Donald Trump to go back into the White House. That's what this is about. It's not about Joe Biden. It's not about picking on his age. It's about this is what's going to happen if we don't address this issue. He's Michael Kelly. Over there is John Hancock. Chris Ranji joins us at 11. If you are listening on 1120 AM, check out 98.7 FM or the Odyssey app. You can download it for free. Take us with you wherever you go. Don't forget to subscribe to the Chris and Amy Show podcast. I'm Amy Mark Scores. This is the Chris and Amy Show on KMOX. But then why didn't they put the word president in the very enumerated list in Section 3? The thing that really is troubling to me is I totally understand your argument, but they were listing people that were barred, and president is not there. Griffin's case is also uh, relevant to trying to figure out what the original um, public meaning of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment is. It's by the Chief Justice of the United States a year after the 14th Amendment. That seems to me highly probative of what the meaning or understanding of that language, otherwise elusive language, is. I think your argument's a little broader than that, because I think if we accept your position that disqualifying someone from the ballot is adding a qualification. Really, your position is that Congress can't enact a statute that would allow Colorado to do what it's done either, because then Congress would be adding a qualification, which it can't do either. Just some of the comments and questions from the Supreme Court justices yesterday morning as they heard oral arguments on the Colorado ballot case determining whether or not Former President Donald Trump is eligible to run for a second term considering his actions on January 6th, 2021. And gentlemen, I know we don't have an answer yet, although we heard it should it could be a very, very expedited decision. This is not one that will wait till June. It could be within a couple of weeks. But it sounded as if it is likely there could be a unanimous decision to allow Trump to remain on the ballot. You had some of the stronger proponents seemingly from their questions from like Kavanaugh to Katanji Brown Jackson, both 
saying, listen, I think we're dubious when it comes to this Colorado case. And I think that's kind of what you and I've been saying for a a couple of months, John, is that we thought this would get to the court and that they would uh, allow Donald Trump to stand. From my perspective, Donald Trump is an insurrectionist. Uh, That This is not going to work. Why is it not going to work? Because if you're able to pull this off in Colorado, you cannot tell me that they're not going to do the same thing down in Jefferson City with a Jay Ashcroft going to throw Joe Biden off of the off of the 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 ballot. So at the end of the day, you can't have one state dictating what's going to happen to the other 49. Yeah, and they're going to the only thing of interest here for me is how narrowly they're going to draw this uh decision because there's a there is a theory out there that I've heard espoused that they're going to draw it so narrowly that Donald Trump stays on the ballot and because he's not an office holder today. Mm-hmm that the, uh, Section 3 of, of the 14th Amendment does not apply. Now, if that's the judicial reasoning here, it, it potentially opens the door for another whole set of issues, uh, constitutional issues, once Donald Trump is inaugurated in January of 2025. So if they draw it that narrowly, then we may not be done with this particular argument uh, just yet, but it remains to be seen. That's that's what I'm going to find of interest here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it- There was a political commentator who said if the Supreme Court justices were to decide that Trump is not eligible to be on the ballot, they're making that decision um, as humans as well as Supreme Court justices. And they're not making that decision in a vacuum. And he said they would have to have blank of steel to make that decision, even though fear is obviously not deriving them to their decision. But I... I'm I'm glad they're making the arguments they are. I would worry for our country were this to get very well, heated. If, if you're an originalist and you go back to the drafting of the 14th Amendment, which came out of the Civil War, uh, I don't imagine that the drafters of that language envisioned what happened on January 6th. Hmm. He's John Hancock. I'm my... <laughs> That's Michael Kelly. Yeah, you're I not Michael Kelly. I can, I can attest to I'm that. not Michael Kelly. Chris Ranji joins us at 11. More with Hancock and Kelly on the Chris and Amy Show next. In another part of the world. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, alongside me. I'm Amy Mark Scores. Okay, let's talk a little bit about Russia and Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson going to Moscow to interview Putin. And I saw um, good a good part of that interview. Two-hour interview. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It Well, among other highlights, you had Vladimir Putin saying that it was Poland's fault that Hitler invaded Poland because Poland was basically asking for it. They wouldn't negotiate. And so Hitler had to go there and invade Poland. So that was just one of the highlights from last night's Jeremiah by Vladimir Putin. Yeah, I you know, I don't understand where all of this has come from because there is a number of voices inside the Republican Party today that— you know, some openly like Tucker Carlson, who says, I hope Russia wins in Ukraine, you know, and I get that the Republican Party is becoming more isolationistic. I, 
understand that. I understand the concept that America first means let's secure our border. Let's take care of our people. It's a very popular, populistic message. Why are we giving all this foreign aid? Why are we getting involved in all these other countries? It's a very populistic message. And a lot of Republicans have bought into it. Here's the problem. The world and chaos in the world is not our friend as the United States of America. And if you think that, just letting stuff happen out there and letting nations invade other nations and take territories and Russia does it, then China's going to do it, Iran's going to do it, North Korea may do it. And if you just sit back and let it all happen because it doesn't affect us, guess what? It always affects us. Just look at the history of this country. And it always affects us. And the reason America has decided, had decided, that we were going to be a force in the world, a force for good in the world. And we're not perfect, but we are a force for good in the world. If there's a natural disaster somewhere, the United States is there. Uh, If a country invades another country and they're wrong, like when Iraq invaded Kuwait, we are there. And in this case... Russia has invaded Ukraine. We're there with aid. We're not sending troops on the ground. It is such a short-sighted, simplistic policy to say, no, no, no. We're not going to get involved in all this other foreign stuff out there. We're going to focus on us. That is just misguided. It's simplistic, and it's dangerous. And the and the other thing that's, I guess, frightening to me is it's, it's one of these fish-out-of-water things. Uh if Dennis Kucinich or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren were the ones out there, there's always been a bend inside the Democratic Party that may have been somewhat sympathetic to Russia. Yeah, to to you know socialistic thought processes. I I would think well, I think they're wrong, but that's crazy. But when you have this large a contingent coming from the party of Ronald Reagan, the folks who talked about the city on a, a shining hill and defeating the Great Bear. It brings me extra pause as to how nutty the world we're living in is because it's 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 not who you would normally expect. I can I can always say to you, hey, Dennis Kucinich is kind of crazy, you guys. You know, trust me, we Democrats are going to do the right thing. They have no control over the party right now. There's a very good chance we may walk away from helping Ukraine, and Russia may wind up doing exactly what everybody says history does, which is repeat itself. We've watched this before in Europe when somebody decides to invade another country. And, by the way, when America sits on the sidelines. We've always had, uh, always dealt with Russian propaganda in this country. And there have always been some folks that have fallen for it. But you spend 10 minutes on any social media site and you start digging into the Ukraine situation. The amount of Russian... Propaganda and misinformation that exists out there is staggering. I mean, I've done it. I've looked at it, and uh, to think that that we don't aren't influenced by the crap they're pumping into this country is just you and, know it's foolish. And here's the other thing that I don't get. So if you're Tucker Carlson, and I, I'll confess I don't watch him, so I, I don't I don't know what it. But I, I would assume he's one of these liberty guys, free economy, mm-hmm. blah blah blah, freedom of speech. Gosh knows he says anything will come out of his mouth. And he wants that to be protected. What's the allure to Russia? Is it the strongman? Okay, if you like the strongman, and by the way, it sounds like you're running your own strongman, what happens when he comes after the very rights that are allowing you to be able to have that that type of a, a, a forum to go out and say the things that you're saying? So it doesn't equate in my mind either what is the allure of being 
uh, sympathetic and friends with with Vladimir Putin because well, uh, he stands for a, he wants to take away the very things that and the platform that you're on. Yeah, and it, well, and as it relates specifically to Tucker Carlson, uh, I knew Tucker Carlson when he was in in the CNN days. Right. He was on Crossfire, Crossfire with Paul yeah. Begala, and and Tucker Carlson was a down the line conservative, <clears throat> you know, and a reasonable conservative at that. And so I, now what I don't know are his motivations. Is is this all, you know, is play he acting. play acting or, okay. or is he, is this really where he is? But, I don't know. But that. isn't that what's scary? Because uh, we both are watching some people where we're like, well, that's play acting. You know, mm-hmm. they're just doing this, that, and the other. What? What? 50% of these people out here are now play acting. I mean, when does the normal thought process come through where we're like, well, wait a minute. We're, you know, we're, we're doing what it takes to be in power, but, now we're actually assimilating and becoming that. Well, and I think, too, it's this whole, you know, America first. We're not going to—it doesn't involve us. Well, it does involve you. Russia is a geopolitical adversary. We know they are friendly with China and Xi Jinping to the point that most likely Xi Jinping and Putin talked about the invasion of Ukraine being after the Olympics and making sure that all of that was— in line and they're hand in hand. Those are our biggest geopolitical adversaries. Hamas is up there meeting with Putin. Hamas is up there meeting with Putin. Maybe Tucker Carlson ran into them. Who knows? But to know that without putting American boots on the ground, you can wear out a geopolitical adversary both in um, economy, right? Financially, it's expensive to wage this war. Morale, eventually, A lot of people in Russia might get tired of this because Putin sees the greatest tragedy in world history as being the fall of the USSR. Well, a lot of these guys fighting, they weren't even alive when there was the USSR. It's it's in the history books for them. So you're going to wear them out, wear out their morale. And And their equipment. And their equipment. We don't have any boots on the ground. How is that not selfishly an American first idea? Uh, And the the one tool we have here, which is the financial sanctions that we put. I mean, if you think about a lot of these Russian oligarchs, they were living a really good life. They were owning the Chelsea Soccer Club. They were owning Mm -hmm. some of the biggest properties. They're now relegated to sitting in Russia and probably plotting to kill this guy because when you got your billions of dollars, I guess you can sit there in uh, Siberia and spend it. But they sure would rather be in the Caribbean and in America. And if we suddenly start to walk away from this, there's not going to be the internal pressure pressure that exists on Mm -hmm. Vladimir Putin today to hopefully someday reverse this. There is, when you talked about the strongman appeal to Putin, well, we know Trump is strangely fascinated by dictators like Xi Jinping and um, Kim Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin. And in the Republican Party, we have seen emerge, along with this more pugilistic conservatism, we'll we'll ram it down your throats, a bizarre pseudo-masculine bravado. I don't know where it came from or why it appeared, but it's it manifests itself ultimately in guys like Tucker Carlson, what? like you said, where they're they're because Putin is strong, he's a dictator and a war criminal and a former KGB agent, but he comes across as masculine in this bravado. They're somehow attracted to that. Yeah, and I don't get what what's happening there. I kind of call it the barstool sports of politics. It's like you know, and I like Barstool, um, but it's sports. And so it's kind of fun when you have a guy thumping his chest. But that's now become like what it means to be a Republican. Mm-hmm. And it's not just Donald Trump. 
it's saturated down to the local level. There are people that come on KMOX and some of these other stations where the the way that the, their appeal is that they're rude, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they're over to the top rude all the time. And I, I just don't get it. I don't I don't understand why that connects. Um, it surely doesn't line up with the 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 normal thing. Those same people used to lecture me about the Bible and all that other stuff. Yeah, the uh, the the psychological analysis is something I'm not equipped to provide. Yeah, uh, but there, I mean, there's something going on. I don't know if you saw the interview with Elise Stefanik last night on CNN. Um, she basically, among other things, said that uh, had she been vice president, she would not have counted the electoral college votes the way Mike Pence did. Uh, and this is a woman who, when she came to Congress, one of the youngest members mm-hmm. of Congress, a, a very much a rising star in the Republican Party. She was somebody that worked because her district is um, is such that, you know, she was somebody that worked across the aisle well, uh, worked on policy, very bright, very articulate, very good in a, in a committee context, whether it's whether it's uh, asking questions of witnesses or forging policy. And and then she is now, and I know she's auditioning to be vice president for Trump. Yeah. I get that. But I don't, I don't know that she actually, does she really believe all this stuff? No, and she doesn't, and she, right. Well, I don't know that she doesn't, but if she does believe all this stuff, it's a radical transformation. Someone put it this way, and I agree that Trump has an ability to make people become the most pathetic versions of themselves. Uh, that's what's happening to Elise Stefanik. And I know we, we point that what blows my mind is how much we're talking about Donald Trump and the upheaval he's caused in this country. And I keep thinking he's a reality show host. He's a failed real estate guy. He's a TV. I don't even want to say star, but reality star with a bruised ego, and somehow he's tearing down this country. And the thing is, it's because we were already, our institutions, core institutions, I think, were already cracked and broken anyway because a healthy GOP doesn't nominate Donald Trump. A healthy church, a healthy evangelical church, doesn't fall in love with Donald Trump. I think even our cable news systems, our media, if it were healthy, we wouldn't be so obsessed with him. And I think the reason why people seem to be so hypocritical or so inconsistent. I go back to that C.S. Lewis quote that unless, how are you supposed to have any idea of a crooked line if you have no idea what a straight line looks like? I think right now, especially in the GOP, but maybe in the culture as a whole, we don't know what a straight line looks like. So we don't know that we're walking a crooked line. That could be, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I just, I never thought that we'd get to a place like this. I really didn't. And, and when Donald Trump started running in 2015, and heck, I was the chairman of the Republican Party in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And I supported him in 2016 once he became the nominee, dutifully, you know. Uh, but he was my 17th choice uh, of that folks on the stand. And I said so here um, during that primary season. I said it several times, and much to the chagrin of a lot of people. But, I mean, he was my 17th choice. <laughs> Uh, but he became my number one choice when he became the Republican nominee, and I've been a faithful Republican my entire life. And this, what's happening now is not the Republican Party that I've been part of for my whole life, and I just can't, you know, it's very hard to deal with. 
He's John Hancock. Over there is Michael Kelly. And I will say again, download the Odyssey app. Rewind to listen to the first part of Hancock and Kelly at 830. Or you can download the Hancock and Kelly Show podcast because it was really, really good. I was listening to you guys. I called Mason Jar and said, you've got to turn this on. John and Michael already are... telling them what to do. I see. Yeah. <laughs> They're on it. They're on one today. Thank you, gentlemen. Go snooker. Let's see, see what's it. happening when we come back. Oh, right. Yeah, let, let's see what's happening. And I guess who's going to see what's happening with me? Who? Chris Ranji. Ranji. Oh, hey. Love that guy. <laughs> this is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. Oh, you got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Hey, did you see who decided to join us today? Hey, sorry, I uh, overslept. Yeah, that's okay. I, 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 just, I, I just told people you were dead. I didn't. I heard you were telling people I was dead. Well, you know. So now, now this must feel like, wow. I know. This guy, that, this that, guy came back from the dead. That is our did you see this? Did you see this? We have brought two people Is back it? to life in the last two days, Bob Costas and you. What happened to Bob? Remember, because we had a miscommunication of when Bob Costas would join us, you oh. and I were talking about Bob for oh, so long right. and in such um, adulatory terms Blowing that terms. people yeah. thought he had died. I told Bob that yesterday. <laughs> how did he take it? He thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, he appreciated it. Did he say, you know, this really could have helped me out of a jam? <laughs> I know. I know. He said, it's nice, you're dead. it's nice to hear nice things about you. Usually those those compliments only come posthumously. That's hey, Ron, well, I know we have like 10 seconds, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know if people saw this. We're giving away Barry Manilow tickets today. Oh, yeah, baby. And this is our last day of giving Bar- but- Barry Manilow tickets. It's the last day for Barry, but next week we have stuff to give away. Oh, yeah. Are we allowed to say it? I don't know. You better hold tight on that, because I don't know. It but it, we, start, just, it just rhymes listen. with Wook Don't say Mayan. it. Don't, <laughs> don't say it. I didn't. Listen to this show all the time, because we're always giving stuff away. Hey, in just a couple of minutes, we're talking about Mowage with Chris Ranji. Amy Mark scores oh, on KMOX.